I'll tell them like, man, if, if only I had this perspective back then, you know, like I could, who knows what I would be doing, but I know that I would be with a family that loves me like to no end, you know. This is the Foster Movement Podcast, helping you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Here are your hosts, Jason Weber and Diego Fuller. Hey, this is Jason Weber. Welcome to the Foster Movement Podcast. I am here with Diego Fuller. Hey, Diego. Yo, what's up, Jason? How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's feeling good outside. It's looking good, and I'm feeling good. It's it's <laughs> it's. Well, let me just let me just explore that with you for a minute. It's feeling good outside. It's feeling good. For the rest of you listening, <laughs> we are recording from Texas, right? And it's August. <laughs> And so, while I love my brother here, I, I may not agree with him on everything. Right, uh, okay. It's hot right. out there, man. It is hot. It is hot. Yeah, better feel good where we at. That's true. <laughs> We're inside. We're inside. You, you got some lemonade. You, you're all set. Oh, yeah. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. <laughs> all right. Good. Good, good, good. Well, uh, do you like to cook, bake things, stuff like that? I do. Yeah, I like to cook, and my wife does. She but she does most of the most of the cooking. How about you? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I do like to cook some. Um, you ever put an ingredient in that wasn't in the original recipe? <laughs> yeah, when I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You kind of you kind of just kind of throw stuff together. Improvise. Yeah, improvise. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I saw this Facebook post the other day. And somebody, their their kiddo had made some brownies or something like right, that. Right. And and it called the recipe called for cinnamon. <laughs> Except they went to the pantry and they grabbed the cumin. <laughs> and uh, many of you may know that, you know, that's something that you put in like taco seasoning right, and on, like on some type m- of meat. meat. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. You usually <laughs> don't put it in brownies. And uh yeah. <laughs> So when you add an ingredient that's uh, maybe unexpected, sometimes it can change things. It changes exactly. everything. Exactly, it changes right? everything. It changes everything, right? Oh. Yeah, so I, I wonder what those tasted like. I wonder if they even ate them. Huh? Yeah, I guess I they did. They tried them. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> I right? think it'd be worth trying. <laughs> Meat brownies. Uh, Meat. <laughs> That's yeah, horrible. so, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about, as we have been and we will continue to do for these next several episodes, the foster journey mm-hmm. and this idea of um, foster care in your family. Like when you consider doing foster care, how is bringing uh, kids that have experienced foster care, have experienced abuse and neglect, um, how is that going to uh, affect Everything else. How right. does that affect your biological kids? Right. How does that affect your marriage? Um, you know, when we add a new ingredient mm-hmm. uh, into our families, uh, no matter what that is, right. um, but mm-hmm. that's particularly true in foster care, it affects everything. And right. so we want to just uh, encourage uh, everyone to be thinking about how is it going to change yeah. things? What is that going to look like? It's just an important set of discussions to have when you're considering foster care. So we'll Mm -hmm. be doing that today. We have a great uh, guest, um, an interview we did with Annie Hernandez, a Mm -hmm. former foster youth. And so we're going to be listening uh, to that interview. And then we're going to go to uh, some friends of our family who uh, are foster parents, have become adoptive parents, and they added uh, three kids from foster care into their family and then adopted them. 
and uh, they had three biological kids right. uh, up to that point, and so they're going to talk about um, those family dynamics uh, awesome. that we were just discussing. So let's get to it. Let's go and listen to our interview with Annie Hernandez. I'm here with Annie Hernandez in Santa Ana, California. Hello, Annie. Thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. So, Annie, you entered foster care when you were 10 years old. Yes. Can you tell us just a little bit about the circumstances uh, that ended you up in foster care? Yes. So, um, yes, it started when I was 10 years old. Um, I lived with my grandparents at the time. Um, Both of my parents are, um, my mom is actually not an addict anymore she's a recovering addict but at the time she was a heroin addict and my dad um lived in mexico and so i lived with um my grandparents for a couple years um during those years i was very um like i was very angry um very hurt very sad um and i took it out all that stuff out i took it out at at um school getting in trouble um fighting um being suspended um bullying people, um, kids, I mean, and, um, eventually my grandparents got, um, they didn't have the right tools to, um, take care of me or raise me up the way that they wanted to. Um, so they sat down with me and they talked to me about, um, going into the foster care system. They explained what it would be like. And, um, that's when, you know, they made the decision to put me in the system. How did that work? Um, your, your grandparents, uh, were the ones to take you there? My grandparents were the ones that dropped me off at Orangewood. Um, you know, after we had a couple meetings with social workers and everything, and we were, we were going through the process of putting me in the system. Um, um, they set a date that they were going to take me to Orangewood. So the worker, me and my grandparents, sat down we had a couple meetings and they said okay this is what's going to happen and yeah I cried like a baby I was crying I was I was angry at the same time though I was super mad and um and I cried a lot and I think that the you know the staff that were there at the time kind of just like left me alone because you know I didn't have any history in the foster care system prior to that day so um yeah I was really I was really upset and then what was after that? And then after that, um, I met my first and only uh, foster parents. Yeah. And I um, had a couple of visits with them at their house and, you know, hung out with them. And they had um, other kids in the home. And um, they asked me if I wanted to go and live with them. And I just, and I said, yeah. So. And how long were you with them? I was with them. My first time I was with them for, um, three years, three and a half years. And then, um, I started getting in trouble again. (laughs) I started getting in trouble again. So, um, they wanted to, they wanted to adopt me. They were, I was, I, um, I was just so, um, like everything was closed. My mind, my heart, everything was closed to anyone else besides my family. Like I just wanted that, um, I just wanted that want from them, you know, like, um, I have a younger sister who was living with me at the time of my grandparents too. And, um, she's three years younger than me. Um, 
to me, it just seemed like um, I was the bad one, you know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. I, w- I didn't behave, which I knew that I was making mistakes in school and everything. Um, so I just didn't feel wanted, you know, and um, knowing that she stayed and there was a lot of um, bitterness and resentment in that area too. Just so many emotions. <laughs> so while you were in that foster home and you were again, experiencing uh, behavioral mm-hmm. things. Looking back, do you have any insight as to why you were choosing to do some of the things you were doing? I think I was, um, well, I feel like I was um, like pursuing the wrong things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying uh, it's bad for me to pursue my biological family, but I think that. Um, I do think that everything happens for a reason and, um, you know, nobody is just like in your life coincidentally. So, um, I just, I honestly feel like, um, if I would have had an open heart to my foster parents, I would have been like, okay, yeah, adopt me. Like if they were my number one first priority, but I was just so, I was just so like, I just wanted that like love and attention from my blood family, you know, like I didn't want it from, they were strangers to me. Like, I just was like, I don't, I don't know you guys, you know, what if you guys hurt me or, um, you guys can put me back in the system or put me back in a group home or whatever, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have like, um, trust and faith in them. Was your behavior and your anger directed toward them directly? Uh, towards them and in school again. Yeah. So in school I was definitely, um, you know, started, um, doing drugs, um, getting to fighting again. And this was like maybe, uh, 13, 13 until I was 15. Yeah. And then, um, it got to a point where they couldn't keep me safe anymore inside the home. So, um, and, and I was doing that on purpose. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was like, no, I don't want to be here. I don't want you guys. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to get out of here, you know? So, um, but I didn't have enough guts to run away because I was scared. So, <laughs> um, I just pushed them. I pushed them to a point where they were like, we don't know how to, we don't know how to safely like care for you anymore, you know, like, because you're, you're doing things that are not safe. And, um, there's other kids that live in the home and stuff like that. So they were like, okay, well, what about, they said, do you want to try another foster home? And I said, no. And then they said, okay, what about a group home? And I said, yeah, I'll go to a group home. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. It was. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. I didn't want no parent figure in my life. I didn't want, I, I thought I was like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself. You know, like if I can't have my family, I don't want anyone type of thing, you know? And I did not want anyone telling me what to do. Um, and I knew that if I was in a group home, there was no, there wasn't going to be no, um, relationship there between uh staff and i looking back would you make that same decision again no i even think about it now and i'll tell my my mom and dad my um foster parents that i call mom and dad i'll tell them like man if if only i had this perspective back then you know like i could who knows what i would be doing but i know that i would be with a family that loves me like to no end you know and They've always been there for me, even though, even after everything that I've done and I've moved back with them two different times and messed up both times, like they're still there, you know, supporting me, loving on me, texting me, calling me. Um, I would, I would definitely 
have not made that decision if I had the way that I'm thinking now. Like if I had the perspective now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that at all. Is there anything you remember that specifically was impactful that they said to you or did for you? I just knew that they loved me. Like I just knew like my, my foster dad was like always um, super um, affectionate with me, always hugging me, always telling me like, I love you. Like, you know, um, you're the daughter I, I wish I had, you know, I wish I like biologically cause he, they couldn't have children of their own. Mm. So, um, just super, just super loving and, um, always believed in me. They always made sure I, when I lived with them, they always made sure I had everything that I needed. Um, whether it be clothes or if I needed to be put back in therapy, they were calling people right away, you know, okay, let's get into therapy and anything, anything they were there. When you went back to the group home, did you know that you always had a place there? I didn't, you know, when I went to the group home, um, when I went, when I went to the group home after I was with them for a few years, I didn't know that I had them, um, because I felt like I had messed up so much, you know, that they were like, okay, you know, we're giving up on you. We're putting you in the group home. But, um, I was aware of what I was doing also at the same time. Um, it wasn't until I turned, so I was in the group home for, um, a couple years. And then when I was 17, ran away from the group home, didn't want to go back to the group home. Um, and then that's when I reached out to them again to see if I could go back and live with them. And they said, yeah. Hmm. Were you scared to ask? I was. Yeah. I was like, it's like, I was like pleading for my life. Like, I was like, please, I'll never mess up again. I'm never going to make a mistake. I'll never get in trouble. I was like saying all those things. And, sh- and my, my mom was like, no, like, you don't have to say those things, you know, like, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to figure it out. And, you know, she talked it over with my dad and they were like, yeah, you can come back. So take us back to that meeting. Uh, where did it happen? You talked to the, your mom. Yeah. Um, so at the time, um, at that time I was, I was on the run from the group home. So I was considered missing. Um, and this was like, this was like, couple months like two months I was gone and um I was in contact and living with my biological mother and uh she was not good for me at the time like whatsoever like um there were still drugs involved in her life and um just she didn't have the right um it's not like a it's not like a mother and daughter relationship you know it's more like a best friend type of thing so um I had text my I had text my mom I my foster mom and I told her um, I sent her a long text and I just said hey you know um, this is what's going on I know I messed up back then I'm sorry like I don't I don't that's not who I want to be um, I wanna I just want to show you guys that I could like I could I could do it again you know like I'm I'm gonna be good and she was like well we love you so much and stuff and and it was like couple hours she my dad got home because he's a an elementary school teacher and she talked about it with him and um and they were like yeah you can come back and they set rules for me you know they're like okay this is um they actually they gave me more freedom when i went back this the last time they were like we're not we're not going to be on you so much um we're going to give you um we're going to trust you that you're going to do what you say you're you're doing you know um if you're going to go to school we trust that you're going to school you know um um, we're just going to trust you, you know? And so 
I was like, okay, so that gave me more motivation to like want to go back and like at the same time um, still have a little bit of freedom, you know, as a teenager, like that that they trust me and um, and still be responsible at the same time. So um, it was it was a hard conversation. I text on purpose because I just I knew that the worst thing they could say was no, but I didn't want to hear it, you know. So um, so I text for that reason, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, hmm. so that was that conversation. Sounds like you have gone through a lot of your life being fearful that your performance is linked to whether or not you're wanted somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it it also um, obviously links back to myself, the way I view myself, you know. Um, not only the way other people view me, but... Um, I get hard on myself too when I don't do something to my full, you know, capability. I'm really hard on myself, but um, then I start thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that I go to is that I'm not good enough. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not um, well behaved, or nobody can love me because I've made too many mistakes. So, those are my go-to's for sure. Does that continue to be a prevalent theme for you, or has something changed there? Yeah, no, it's not. Has not been a continual thing for me. Actually, um, I always knew who um, who God was. You know, my grandparents are um, they're pastors, and um, never had a relationship with him though. So um, it wasn't until like I hit I hit rock bottom when I was. Um, 20 when I was 20 years old I went I went to jail and I was getting into trouble getting into too much trouble and um I was pregnant with my second son at the time and um that was that was my rock bottom that was like this has got to stop like you know something needs to happen but I didn't know how to like fix it like how to fix my I don't know impulsive like anger like I, I I realized that I had um a temperament you know and um so it wasn't until you know a couple years ago I, I I really understood and knew who Christ was and um and ever since then I've just been like you know diving deep into my relationship with God and if it wasn't if it wasn't for that I would probably still be you know running amok like I was a couple years ago you mentioned that you still have relationship with your foster parents mm-hmm that you um, were there, uh, you had to go to the group home, you asked to come back, they uh, invited you back, and then you uh, left again. Left again, yeah. Um, but you still have a good relationship. Yeah. So what's that, what's that look like? We have a great relationship. Um, I think that I grew a lot, obviously, from everything that I had went through when I left the second time as well. You know, becoming a mother and everything, um, um, just new, new, new ways of life when when you have a child. And um, you know, I apologized to my foster mom. I, I apologized to her. Um, I found her on Facebook and I sent her a thing, a long message, and I just told her how how um, I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused them and everything. And um, you know, she now has uh, adopted a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And so 
our relationship is like amazing and we get our we, we get both of our kids together during the summer we go swimming we um it's just so cool because it's like she's like my mom and like she has kids the same age as me and i have kids the same age as her and like we could do things together now that would um are bringing us even more closer you know and you know my dad's still there he works a lot and he, he's a teacher so he has summers off and stuff but I'm always texting them just you know letting them know always thanking them and letting them know that I love them and that um, I, I appreciate them for always being there for me and stuff so um, yeah they're amazing well Annie thank you so much for taking the time to you're talk welcome. to us you're welcome man what a powerful picture of how God treats us, you know, the power yeah. of restoration and reconciliation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing, amazing young woman. Yeah. I know one thing that stood out, she said that when she went back to her foster parents' home, like they just told us, like, hey, I trust you. I trust that you're going to go to school. I trust you're going to do this. And she said, man, her parents trusting her gave her motivation to do right. And I just thought, man, that was, that's powerful. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. That really is uh, incredibly powerful. You know, and, Obviously, um, Annie coming in and out of that situation mm-hmm. and being involved in, in that family, right. um, you know, she was uh, an ingredient there that wasn't, mm. you know, necessarily in the original yeah. plan. And then yeah. she came along and, then, and and there were some unpredictable things that happened. But um, those transitions, uh, you know, they, they affect different things. Oh, they yeah. affect different relationships. Most right? definitely. And, Most definitely. And that is what we're talking about today is how foster care uh, does do that sometimes right. it throws us some curveballs yes uh, we get unexpected ingredients yes um into our lives uh that make our lives richer yep um and also uh present can present challenges both right yeah and so that's what we're going to be talking about with our next guests mm-hmm. franz and stephanie Gignard, uh who as we mentioned at the beginning had three biological kids yeah and then felt God's leading to do foster care and have since adopted uh, three from the wow. foster care system. Wow. So Amen. let's hear about some of those family dynamics with Franz and Stephanie. Amen. I'm here talking to our good friends, Franz and Stephanie Gignard here in Dallas, Texas. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How are we going? All right. We're doing great. Thank you so much. Well, um, we, as you know, are talking about the foster journey and all the steps that are involved in the process of making a decision about whether to foster parent or not. And specifically, uh, today we wanted to talk to you guys about um, just your family and foster care and making this decision in light of your marriage, in light of biological kids that you might already have in your home when you're considering foster care and you guys have uh, experienced that exact thing. So I uh, would love to get your insight on that. So my first question really is, uh, were you guys as a couple always headed in the same direction on this? Stephanie, what would you say to that? Well, I think when we first started talking about it early on, we had our mindset on straight adoption and as we thought about it and prayed about it, took a class at our local church, we realized the need in foster care. But I know Franz had his hesitations for that because he would just think that, oh, you're going to have a really hard time when these kids have to leave. 
So do you remember discussions that you had around that as you were going through the class with each other? And how did, how did that go between you two? Yeah, we were both on board as we learned more week by week. You know, I was really excited. It seemed like towards the end we were ready to go and do all the paperwork and all that fun stuff that's associated with it. Um, and the kids were excited. It's so funny because the kids just kept reminding us, okay, when, when are we getting a, a child, you know? Um, so we were really excited and ready to go. However, life kind of got in the way and it just took a long time to actually start that process. Yeah. So you mentioned your kids. Tell us how, about how old were they when you were going through this process of considering foster parenting? I think our oldest was around seven. And then our youngest was three. three. So we had a three. A six. She was about, probably about nine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nine. Six, nine. six and nine. Yeah, three, six and nine. Okay. And it's so funny just to see their their take on it. It's not like, oh, why are we, why are we bringing someone into this house? It's more like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, the boys wanted a brother, the daughter wanted a sister. So they were really looking forward to it. So what did you guys do in preparing them for the realities of foster care as you understood them at the time? You know, we, we talked about it openly. Uh, we made sure that um, they were aware, you know, when we were going to classes, what were some of the things that we learned in those classes, um, and just, you know, just ask them their opinions on, on things and, um, and really just engage them in the process, make them feel part of it. Uh, and I think that, that went a long way initially uh, toward them uh, just really being excited and ultimately reminding us about about what we had planned to do when our resolve had just kind of wavered a little bit. Uh, and so I think that was really important. So, so what you're saying is, is that you guys might have slowed down in the process, but your kids kind of reminded you that, hey, mom and dad, we're supposed to be uh, going at this. Exactly, exactly. When you guys were considering saying yes to older kids, kids that were older than your kids. And at the time you had still pretty young kids in the house. What kinds of things did you consider and have to think through knowing that uh, often when kids you know, come into your home, they're coming from extreme trauma. Uh, what considerations did you have to make knowing you're bringing older kids in when you had younger kids there? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we kind of had to get on the same page initially, uh, you know, just Stephanie and I, uh, and making sure that, um, you know, just logistically making sure that the boys and girls were all separated and the bathroom situation was, you know, where it needed to be and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, just talking with them and, and explaining to them that, you know, this, this is a family that at this point is just in need of our help. Um, and, and getting them to focus on it more as service rather than, um, you know, focusing on themselves and what they can get out of it. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest lesson that, that we've been able to, to teach them in this is um, things are not always going to go exactly the way we want them or plan them. Uh, but once we surrender to God, uh, we can rest assured that um, his perfect plan is going to happen. And so uh, even if we were bringing somebody in who was older, 
um, then, you know, that's kind of where God wanted us to be in the situation that he wanted us to, to, to work in. So tell us how, um, the story, I won't say how the story ends because it's, you know, really, <laughs> it, uh, it, 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 uh, keeps going every day, but, um, you have these three siblings that joined your three biological children and you guys, uh, in this family and, and then eventually, uh, that led to adoption. Tell us a little bit about that process for your family. Well, when we received it's, we received a three-year-old in July, almost three years ago. And then a month later we had the two siblings. God kind of, not kind of, but for sure opened that door as we got a call from CPS saying that, okay, the other foster home that the sisters are in, they made a request to remove one daughter. And that was even more stressful. Like, oh no, what happened? What is going on? I have to talk to this foster mom before we bring her in. And so, you know, for the sake of just keeping them together, not having yet another move, we invited them in. They came for a day to meet us. We met them and everything was great. And they moved in a few weeks later. Um, That process started and then probably about nine or 10 months from there, their case would come to trial. And as we went through trial, um, as we came to trial, the date, the trial date, um, mom and dad kind of set us down right before trial. And we had a conversation about an open adoption and mom and dad were, um, uh, they signed their rights away. So that was such an impactful moment for both of us because we were just thinking, wow, okay, God did this. We couldn't have done any of this. And so when we look back at that process, it's like you see God's hand in every little detail, every big detail. And so we know that these kids are supposed to be in our family. So that was kind of reassuring. So what advice would you want to be sure to give to people that you talk to who are considering foster care? I mean, this whole issue of how is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my marriage? How is this going to affect my kids is I'd say probably the biggest issue that people wrestle with when they're considering whether or not to foster parent. What advice would you have to give? Let's start with you from yeah, yeah. I would definitely, you know, as a way to prepare, um, I would definitely recommend uh, making sure that that marriage unit is is, is solid. Uh, and then for the for the children, you know, just kind of thinking back, uh, I, I think God did put us in a lot of situations that got us ready over time. And so just to kind of prepare the family um, to, you know, hanging out with people that they may not know and being comfortable in those situations and that kind of thing as a way to prepare, uh, for, for new kids coming in the house. Um, uh, and, and looking at it from a perspective of service, um, I, I think helped us. And you, Stephanie? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would just, um, add not to miss those small things kind of piggybacking from Franz, but those small things that God is speaking to you about and kind of nudging you and you're not understanding, okay, why are we doing this? Or why are we doing that? And I think ultimately 
seeking his word and being close to God. So that way that you're sensitive to those callings and what he's asking you to do. Um, and then not to be afraid to say yes to the hard things, get outside of your checklist of what you want. If you are all in for fostering and adopting, not be afraid to get outside that list that they give you to check A, B, and C, and D. Know that God is in control and kind of just surrender your list to him. And he will, he promises not to forsake us or leave us. So he will provide everything that we need for sure. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, We love your family and are grateful for you all. Fantastic parents and just uh, a privilege to get to talk to you here on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This was awesome. That's good stuff right there. Man, Jason, that was that was beautiful. I like how Stephanie, well, I mean, I like what Stephanie said. When she said, don't be scared to say to say yes to the hard things. Mm. And I, I think that's powerful. And I think that's what changed the, the trajectory of my life when my mom was like, hey, we'll take these boys in. And, and that's powerful, just saying yes to the hard things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is powerful. You know, and speaking of saying yes to the hard things, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got... Uh, a foster care crisis in this country and yes. there's a lot of people spending a lot of time trying to figure out yes. what to do and mm-hmm. um, you know and obviously we don't have uh, a lot of those answers we don't know right. everything right. Uh, that needs to be done but um, we do have some thoughts about what it looks like for the church exactly to step in and say yes yeah. to the hard things yeah. when it comes to foster care and there is a movement underway that is just phenomenal. Yes. Uh, organizations and churches working together like never before, mm-hmm. saying, you know what, if we keep doing our own thing, we keep doing you know, the thing that we've always done and we do it by ourselves, we will never, never. get there. Never. And so we have to work together. Yes. And so these organizations have come together under an effort called More Than Enough. Mm-hmm. All of us aiming uh, for a day when we will see more than enough foster homes for every child to have an ideal yes. placement. More than enough adoptive homes for every child waiting for one. More than enough help for biological families who are trying to stay together and get back together. Right. And more than enough support for all these families. And uh, if you're interested in learning about the part you can play in providing more than enough in your county... Uh, you know, right now there are 3,142 counties in the country, and you play a vital role yes. in providing more than yes. enough in the county where you live. Amen. You want to learn more about that? Please visit morethanenoughtogether.org. That's morethanenoughtogether.org. And we're just so grateful uh, to our guests today. We're grateful to Annie Hernandez and Franz and Stephanie Gignard. Thanks so much to them. And thank you to you for all you do. If you want to hear more um, of, about the podcast, you can go to uh, fostermovementpodcast.org. You can see the show notes there. And go find us on Facebook. We'd love yes. to hear from you there. Uh, we're grateful for you and grateful for all you do. And we are here to help you do that until there's more than enough. This has been the Foster Movement Podcast. Join Jason Weber and Diego Fuller next time as they and their guests help you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Hey, this is Jason and Diego again. 
Yes, and we're still here because there's a couple of things that we want you guys to know. That's right. First of all, be sure to download the free PDF we created, especially for listeners of this podcast. It's called Key Things Former Foster Youth Want You to Understand About Caring for Current Foster Youth. This thing is beautiful and full of wisdom and insight from those who've been there. And I'm telling you, you need to print these babies out and give them to foster parents and applicants you work with because these things are amazing. Just go to morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. That's morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. Also, as you know, the Foster Movement Podcast is a limited series of just 18 episodes. But listen, it's okay. Don't be sad. Here's why. Because there's more where that came from. Tell them, Jay. That's right. More Than Enough has produced a whole family of podcasts, one of which is called the More Than Enough Podcast. So to learn more, go to morethanenoughtogether.org and click on the podcast link at the top of the homepage, and they are all there. Hey, and one last thing. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to be a part of your journey. Our team is here to help you work with others in your community to provide for children and families before, during, and beyond foster care until there's more than enough.